podcast that teaches you how to have a higher quality sex life, where I share cutting edge research in neuroscience and psychology, relatable stories, and practical mindfulness-based skills so that you can maximize your pleasure potential and unlock more awareness and energy in every area of your life. I am master life coach and mindfulness expert, Danielle Savory, and I am thrilled to be on this journey with you. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to today's episode of It's My Pleasure. I'm so stoked to be with you guys here for the final episode of October. We've got two months left in the year. I can hardly believe it. I'm not sure where you are listening from, but here in Portland, Oregon, it's been really gorgeous, colder than normal, but sunny and like all the fall colors that you always imagine fall to be. And I am just in love with it. I love the season. It's my favorite season. And yeah, I'm just enjoying enjoying the weather before it switches to the dark and the cloudy and the rainy. And I just wanted to welcome those of you that are newer to the podcast. Uh, There's been a very big uptick in listeners recently. So welcome to the It's My Pleasure family. I'm so excited to have you. And just a reminder for everybody out there, if you, you know, just have a couple minutes in the day, if you're enjoying this podcast, it helps so much if you take the time to write a review. It just really allows other people that are thinking about listening this to have maybe that extra little nudge to get them to actually press play and dive in and be a part of this important conversation. And also, if you guys are on social media, make sure you follow me at Danielle Savory Coaching on Instagram. That is. And if you like an episode, like share it in your stories. I love to like give shout outs to listeners who are enjoying it and to share it and um, just let other people know, like, and I love to know what your biggest takeaways from particular episodes are, what parts of the episodes, you know, resonate with you. I tend to get a lot of private messages and I want to be able to just share some of these messages more publicly because this really is what allows the word to get out and allows more women specifically to get comfortable with a conversation that can sometimes feel uncomfortable and be like, hey, you know what? It is our time to feel sexually empowered. It is our time to feel more confident. And of course, you can always do that anonymously on the reviews, but I appreciate them so much. I'm so grateful for those of you that have taken the time. It truly means the world to me. I love hearing the feedback and yeah, thank you ahead of time. So today, what I want to talk about is the sex drive in general in men and why so many of us think that they have a higher sex drive than women. And I think that this is such an important talk, like a topic to talk about because I hear it so much, (laughs) like not just from my clients, but just in general in the world. Like there's so many just references to men having this really high sex drive. And why I think it's so worth exploring, why I think it's worth like pausing and taking time and really unpacking, especially as it's concerning coaching, is because 
when we're taking a look at sex drive, what we're really taking a look at is our belief systems, right? If we have a belief system that men have a higher sex drive than women, then that could possibly be getting in the way of our pleasure. So this is like some of the work that I do really with my clients is it's not just about, you know, behaviors and what you're doing and how you're talking about sex with your partner. That's obviously a huge part of it, but we really have have to get down to the root of how sex has been presented to us. And in this culture, most of the exposure that we have to sex is, you know, in heterosexual relationships and men's orgasm or men's pleasure even is the epicenter of our focus and what we've learned about sex. And that can really have an effect on what we believe about sex, what how it allows us to show up for our pleasure and where do we fit into this relationship. So after talking about sex drive, then I really want to dive even deeper into the different types of desires, because I think that is going to give those of you listening so much more clarity about possibly where you're coming from, why things might look a little bit different, and then what to do about it. So most of the women that I coach and work with are in heterosexual long-term relationships. Like I said, most, not all. And by long-term, I mean like they've been together for at least a year, usually two or more years, and sometimes 30. So now this is a majority, but not all. And within this genre of women, one of the things I hear often is that their husband's have on average a higher sex drive than they do. Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, no, but actually I'm the one with the high sex drive and I can't get my husband, you know, to take initiative or to want to have sex with me as much, like I hear you, you're not alone. And specifically today, we're talking about the men that have a higher sex drive, but I still think that it's really important for you to listen into this episode because when we get to the talk about desires, you may have more understanding both of your husband's desire and yours. And I think that on a separate episode, I will definitely address those ladies out there that are the ones that have the higher sex drive. Okay, back to my sex drive in men. So often when I speak to my clients, when they're referring to their partners or husband's sex drive as being much higher than theirs, like, why is this even a problem, right? Like, why why do they consider it a problem? Why is it getting in the way of their pressure? And for starters, many women feel bad saying no. And cognitively, like, most of us don't actually feel bad. Like we don't feel like we're doing something wrong. But when it comes into this very interpersonal relationship, it feels really bad. Like they feel like I'm interested in my husband. I love him, but I don't really want to have sex. And you can feel like this, like kind of like I'm being mean or I'm unkind or I'm rejected my husband. And they worry about hurting their husband's feelings, which is a real thing, right? Like that feeling that you're rejecting your partner, not just for sex, but in general can feel really, really uncomfortable. And also for most people, I feel like there's like this limit, right? Of no's like, or this invisible timeline, like, okay, well, I can say no tonight and maybe I'll say no tomorrow, but like, oh shoot, I've said no, like a lot of times in a row. 
Like I probably shouldn't say no again, or he might not think that I am interested anymore, or I don't love him. And so they say yes out of this guilt or out of this timeline. Like I, I, this is what a wife does. This is what I do in this relationship. And I feel bad saying no again. The thinking is that you love your husband. You just don't want to have sex like he does. And this idea of men having a higher sex drive is referred to or made mention of or just like blatantly stated like in so many things that we're exposed to when it comes to sex, right? Like in entertainment, in politics, in school offices, like we hear these things about like, oh, boys will be boys or, you know, they just want it more. Or even I remember getting married and, you know, comments from like my grandmother, right? About saying stuff about husbands just having higher sex drive. And that's just kind of what's to be expected. And you might not always want to, but it's just, you know, part of like part of being married or part of being in a partnership. Like they just want it more. And we as women should either appease our men, especially when we're in a relationship with them, like a long-term, you know, marriage relationship or on the opposite end, if we're not in a relationship, then we should probably protect ourselves from like these animalistic high sex drive traits of our male counterparts, right? Like, because they just can't help it. This is just how they were wired. And you can see how this can create a narrative that's problematic to pleasure, right? <laughs> not only are we saying yes to sex out of guilt, or we don't want our husband's feelings to be bad, or we've just been taught that this is just something, you know, that men experience this high sex drive and that we as the women should take care of it, you know, but even deeper, right? Like deeper into the things that you hear in sex, like in school about, you know, girls not showing their shoulders or wearing too short of dresses because, you know, it could possibly like turn on the boys and they just can't help it. They just can't help this crazy sex drive. Like I even remember in high school learning about blue balls. Do you guys remember this? I don't know if you guys learned about this, but this was more just like in talking with my girlfriends or other guys. And it's like, if guys get turned on and they did obviously all the time, because they just have this like out of control sex drive. And and if they didn't come, then they were going to have this really, really uncomfortable pain like in their stomach. And it could be really bad for them. Like I remember hearing that it could be really detrimental to their health. And it was almost used as like this negotiating tactic to give like, you know, give in to sexual advances that you weren't really interested in because, you know, after all, they just have the sex drive and they get turned on and they just can't help ourselves. And we don't want to, you know, ruin their parts because we say no. Anyway, that's totally off the topic, but <laughs> I think it's in the same realm of the type of things that we learn from a young age that then just get implanted into us and then carry on, even if you're in a newer partnership or if you've been married for 20 years and some of the reasons or our motivation for saying yes with this underlying belief system that men have a very high sex drive. 
And this is the reason why it is so important for us to take the time and take a look at this belief system, because it is literally getting in the way of your pleasure. And your pleasure is what I'm concerned about. And your pleasure, I'm hopefully, is what you're realizing you can also be concerned about. And believing that men have a higher sex drive is going to affect your ability to tap into your pleasure. So think about this. For those of you in a relationship with a man and you're thinking, oh, it's, you know, it's been a while and, you know, I should probably have sex with him. Like, how do you feel? Like when you haven't had sex for a little while and you're thinking you should because, you know, he's being deprived or he hasn't had it in a long time. Like, how do you feel? Like, really, what does that feel like in your body? Maybe you can think of a recent time this has happened or even that's a place where you're at right now. Like, notice how you feel. Or if you're just thinking like he really needs it because, you know, he's a guy and he needs it. Like, how does that make you feel? What do you notice happening physically? Like sensationally, like what do you notice happening when you're thinking like, oh, I I should, you know, or he really needs it or he really wants it and I'm not, I don't really want it and I'm not giving it to him. Like, how do you feel in your body? Do you feel turned on? Like if you actually took the time right now to notice how you felt, I'm guessing you don't feel great. Like perhaps, like when I think that thought, like I notice my body kind of shrinking in or folding in or collapsing, it feels kind of like pressury and gross. And I notice my heart rate increasing a little bit, right? And in addition to the pressure, you may even notice some guilt come up. Like, you know, I feel like I should be saying yes, but you don't really feel like yes. But after all, his sex drive and you can't, he can't really help it. So, you know, I should have sex, right? Or you feel guilty because you think you should want it and you don't. And that feels bad. It isn't really about you so much as like appeasing this need. And when you're putting this should on yourself and this pressure, how does it feel? Now think about pleasure. Does this kind of thinking actually help you connect with your pleasure? Hell no, it doesn't. It's like the opposite, right? Like you're noticing yourself folding in and you notice yourself collapsing and tensing up. Ladies, this is the exact opposite of what we're trying to create in your body. This is the exact opposite of even just feeling safe to proceed and allowing pleasure to open up. This feeling like you should or you should feel bad or the guilt or any of that is the opposite of what we're going for when it comes to pleasure. And that is why we have to take thoughts like this, beliefs like this, and begin really truly unpacking them and see how they actually physically affect our body when we're thinking these Because that is what's going to keep you from having amazing sex. That's what's going to keep you from being empowered in your own pleasure. Because if we're thinking that men are made to want more sex, if they biologically are made for more pleasure, or even if like from a religious perspective, let's say, like they're wired, like perhaps there's a belief going on that this is God's doing, like their sex drive is higher and it's 
given to them by God, right, to help the human race along. And when we're already feeling like we're getting the short end of the stick here, because, you know, men are wired for more pleasure and they also want it more. And this is just the way they're made. And I'm not wait for this. That's going to make you really have a hard time tapping into your pleasure. You may feel like resentful that you're not wired for as much pleasure. You may feel resentful of this dynamic that there's somebody here that wants it more and somebody here that wants it less. And now it's your responsibility as a wife to make sure your husband's urges are taken care of. Hello, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel good in your body and it's going to keep you from being able to truly connect with that sexual power and with that pleasure that your body is wired to give you. The other thing that I like to think about here is just the, you know, the overall picture that this is just how a marriage works, right? This is how a husband's and wife's union works, And if he has needs, then we are surely meant to meet them. And if he has (laughs) such needs and we aren't meeting them, then there's a chance he might stray, right? There's that threat that, oh, well, if I don't take care of these needs, then possibly he's going to go get them somewhere else. I mean, basically, if you watch anything from the 50s and 60s, like this dynamic is just burned into the culture and the brains of women. Like, I can't help thinking about mad men, right? And how for like the men just like go off on cheat on women and they just have this sex drive and they're just turned on and it's just so culturally accepted. And again, because we are looking at this whole thing as a sex drive. So first off, last week, I already debunked the whole myth about men and pleasure, like anatomically speaking, we as women, for those of us who have a clitoris, are actually wired for extreme pleasure. (laughs) Like the penis has a ton of functions and the clitoris only has one function and that's to deliver amazing sensations to your brain. And as women, we actually have way more nerve endings to get the job done. Like 8,000 nerve endings to be exact, right? So we can even already see that biologically speaking, the fact that we think that men just receive more pleasure in sex, I mean, maybe they do receive more pleasure, but we have the capability of experiencing more pleasure. So we can already debunk that myth. But now on for the sex drive. So men are not in fact wired for more pleasure, but they do have a higher sex drive on average. Is that true? That's what we're believing, right? Is that true? And the answer is no. It is not true that men have a higher sex drive than women. And you know why not? Because sex is not a goddamn drive. A little bit louder for the back. Sex is not a drive, you guys. (laughs) It isn't. And we have to stop thinking about it this way because it's damaging to our pleasure and a society as a whole. When we think that men are just like roaming around like these zombies with no control and this crazy sex drive and they just have this burning need in them. Do they have desire? For sure. Do they have sexual urges? Of course, but it is not a drive. A drive is defined as an aroused state of psychological tension that typically arises from a need. A drive such as a hunger or a thirst 
motivates the organism to act in ways that will reduce tension. Okay, reduce tension. And it's based on a need. But sex is not a drive because there is not a need, like a physiological need that is dependent on survival. So Emily Nagasaki is a sex researcher, excuse me, an author, and she talks really about the importance and understanding this because underlying a drive is a motivation system that deals with life or death issues. And that is simply not the case for sex. People do not die individually, that is, because they didn't have sex. Now, of course, we can argue that as a species, as a whole, reproduction is important. Duh. We do need to like sex to propagate our species. But when you look at humans and where we're at in this evolved state and biologically speaking, this is not the same thing as a hunger or a thirst drive. Like if you are turned on and you don't have sex and you even don't have sex for like a couple of years, you're not going to die. And if you want to even go into like survival, think about some of those survival movies, right? Like where, you know, somebody's like a guy's stranded on an island or floating, you know, out in the ocean on a raft without any food or water for days. They are driven to find food and water to survive. None of them are thinking, you know what? I really need to get some booty or I'm just going to die here. They're not going to die because they didn't get sex. (laughs) This is not a like biological like need need that is, you know, going to lead to an imminent death, just like food or water. That is why it's so different. And the thing is, is there's like all these ongoing jokes that we make like, oh, yeah, what head is a guy thinking about hearty heart heart, right? And when you think about it, it's super outdated humor that isn't really funny because we can no longer pretend that men are just like simply dicks walking around without brains. Like they're actual human beings with brains that happen to have dicks. (laughs) And we have lumped them into this category of like barbaric impulsive beings. And while this can appear to be true at many times, what is it? What it does is it removes responsibility from them for their actions. And it makes us women objects of their pleasure and desire and victims if it gets out of control. And guess what? They do have control. They do have an intact prefrontal cortex, just like the rest of us. They will not die a horrible and untimely death if they do not get sex, just like you don't die an untimely death if you choose not to eat that maple bar, even though the scent is like, you know, wafting into your nose as you walk past the donut shop. It's intoxicating. You want it. You feel like you need it, but you're not going to die. And actually, as I think about this, this might not be a super accurate analogy because we're still talking about food here, right? Because hunger and eating is actually a drive. You could actually die, maybe not if you eat the donut, but if you don't eat in general. But we could go take this even further and think about it more like if you're buying a pair of shoes, like you're walking past a store and you see in the window like this amazing, gorgeous pair of shoes and you're like, oh my God, I want, I want, I want. You don't have to buy it. You have a desire. You have an urge. It turns you on. You like the idea. 
But if you do not go into the store and buy the shoes, you will not die. Just like these men that might have desire to have sex, these urges, they're not going to die if they don't. And this is why it's so important for us to realize the difference between a desire that's based, of course, on, you know, an urge or something that you want versus a need, which is based in like whether or not you are going to be able to live like food, water, shelter, these kind of things. And the way most of society has set it up is that instead of holding men like accountable for their urges, we write it off simply as this is just the way it is for them, which not only discredits their own intelligence and their humanity, but it puts us, that is the women, at a disadvantage because we're just trying to either appease men's urges or stay out of the way so we don't get hurt. Or sometimes even just hide ourselves and our sexuality so as not to entice these urges that the other sex might have about us. And again, having a sexual urge is very different than having a drive. The fact is, is that it was simply easier to think of sex as being a drive when researchers and sex psychologists were searching for ways to explain what happens in individuals with sexual dysfunction, because they didn't really have a better explanation of understanding desire. But now we do understand desire and specifically sexual desire much differently. And it turns out there are different types of desire that can explain better why men will all of a sudden feel more turned on or more of this impulsiveness for sex. And the answer to this is a spontaneous versus responsive desire spontaneous versus responsive desire. Now, spontaneous desire is the type of desire that most closely correlates with how we typically think of a sex drive, right? It's more impulsive, like you see your lover and you immediately want to like strip down and, you know, hop on the closest counter, even if it's like maybe not clean and just get some because it's just spontaneous and you're so turned on. And spontaneous desire is more the type that is triggered, right? It's like triggered in the moment, like, oh, I want it. And as it turns out, about 70% of men experience this type of desire. So they see, you know, a person that turns them on and they have desire to have sex. So it makes sense why we think men typically have a higher sex drive. This is like more like an urge feeling. But why It is different than a drive is because both have an urge component here, right? But only one will have significant consequences. So seeing something sexy like a person or um, some sort of erotic thing might create this sense of desire, this spontaneous want, right? The spontaneous like, oh, I want that. But it is different than a drive. Because a drive, like let's use the donut example, like you might have this spontaneous want for that donut, but it is rooted in a biological need to be fed. Food is a little different here. 
And about 10 to 20% of women experience this spontaneous desire. Now, the other type of desire and the desire most women experience is what's called responsive desire. And just like it sounds, responsive desire comes on in response to arousal. So you become turned on and through this being turned on, your brain clicks to this place like, oh, this feels nice and I think I want more. The thought to take things further seems just like an amazing idea. And that is when you start wanting it after you've already been turned on a little bit. So many of the women work I work with and likely a lot of you listening here feel as though they're lacking in the desire department. Like your partners are ready to go and they want it at like the drop of the hat. And often, you know, you might think this is a course because they have a high sex drive, which we know is not the case. But when you understand that there are actually two types of desire going on, your partner might be in the spontaneous desire camp and you might be in the responsive one. And so that dynamic is going to look a lot different. I also want to mention that you may have a bit of both. Like for me, I noticed that during my time of the month when I'm ovulating, I have much more spontaneous desire. Like I want it more impulsively and I want it more often. But a majority of the time, I would say I'm in the responsive camp. Like it takes me some time, like actually making out with my husband before I'm in that place where I want it. And the reason this is so important for you to wrap your head around because of all the thoughts and the narrative that you may have about yourself that simply isn't true. Maybe you're thinking like, I'm broken because you have no desire or you can't keep up with your husband or you feel bad or you feel guilty. And woman, no, you're not broken. You're just fine the way that we are, you are, and we just got to figure out what creates that desire, and it might simply be getting you turned on in the first place. And this is really, really great news. This is something that you can work with because when it comes to an issue of reminding yourself, once again, that pleasure is possible for opening up for the possibility, for giving yourself some time and space to, you know, get going, to do some more kissing, to entertain the idea instead of making it a problem in your mind that you just don't want it then you're going to be able to tap into your pleasure. Knowing this sort of thing is so powerful. It truly allows you to navigate like the scenery in totally a different way. This is some of the process I work on my clients with, but regardless of desire, I think it's still important to keep in mind that if you're actually having good sex, like enjoying it, right? It's pleasurable that no matter what kind of desire you have, responsive or spontaneous, it's going to be easier to want it because there's no reward at the end. So this week, I really want you to be curious, pay attention and start to ask yourself, like, what kind of desire do I have? If I can think back onto those times where I've, you know, really wanted it or I really felt tapped into my pleasure, did it start spontaneously? Did it start at the drop of the hat or did it happen afterwards? Did it happen after I was like, yeah, I'll give this a go for a little bit and notice yourself getting turned on. And then you're like, okay, yes, I do want it. 
really get curious with this. And on the other side of things, just hopefully listen to this episode and allow yourself to you know, bring some curiosity and inquiry into some of these belief systems that are likely buried in there that you might not have taken a look at about men's sex drive, about your sex drive, what you've made that mean about your partner, what you've made it mean about you and how that's getting in the way of your pleasure. These are all the kind of things that are so important to pause and take the time and Take a moment to look at because these are the things that are going to block you from feeling safe, from feeling empowered, and from being able to access your pleasure. As always, it's been my absolute pleasure having you here on this episode with me today. And I hope that you being able to begin unpacking the idea behind a sex drive, knowing the difference between different types of desires will allow you to tap more deeply into your pleasure. Have a wonderful day and I can't wait to talk with you guys next week.